0: But I realized I needed to find a better way. There was definitely something missing because I knew it was possible to elicit better behavior. I knew it was possible to create a mutual respect between myself and my child, even at two and a half. And so I went out to learn how to do that and started researching and found positive discipline and started implementing some of these tools. And they did yield really big results. They start out small at first. But they start to snowball quickly, and you start to see really positive results really quickly. Hey, parenting beyond discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. So I know it's been a while since I've done a solo episode, and I have been working on some research for some speaking events that I'm going to be doing, and a lot of the information that I've been finding was actually very pertinent to parenting. So I thought this would be a great topic to cover today. Because as parents, we know that when we want to elicit changes in our children's behavior, that it starts with us. When we use the same approach, we will only elicit the same response. So in order to change the response, we have to change the approach. But this is a lot easier said than done. Anytime we wanna change our own behavior, at least this is very true for me, I start out gung-ho with the best plans and intentions, whether it's my fitness, learning some new skills. But often when I don't see the results, I want happening fast enough, or they're not appearing at all. I tend to fall back into old habits rather than doubling down on efforts. So, because I have been working on several areas of my life, my fitness, and learning some skills like working on my equestrian training, getting faster at my running, some public speaking, I was just struggling through some of it and I kept coming up against myself. And I really wanted to learn how I could stay the course overcome and not go back to the old habits. So in Erin fashion, I started researching and I found some really interesting information that is, I think, profoundly helpful and I think will be immensely helpful in the areas of parenting as well. So according to Eva Krakow, lecturer at the University of Leicester in the United Kingdom, your brain is making upward of 35,000 decisions each day. From the simplest, such as what should I make for breakfast, to the complex. What is the next step in my career? In order to make these decisions, we use data based on our own environment and our own past experiences. So think about your breakfast decision alone. Mine might go something like this. It's too cold outside for yogurt because for me, I don't like to eat cold things when it's cold outside and it is still cold in Southern California by the beach, so yogurt is out. Uh, I don't want to just eat a protein bar this morning. I just had eggs yesterday. All of weighing this data takes energy, our brain energy. And according to a study done at University College London, the brain uses around 20% of our energy. But even when we're processing complex information, the brain is limited to that 20% of our total energy that it is allowed to use. So it will divert focus away from other brain-centered functions to make the current decision it needs to make. So here's a really interesting example, and I will bring this back about how it actually relates to parenting after I walk you through some of this. But a really interesting example, there was an experiment by Stanford University professor Baba Shiv, who collected several dozen undergrad students and divided them into two groups. One group was given a two-digit number, and the other group was given a seven digit number to remember and then they were sent walking down the hall. As they were walking down the hall, they were approached by someone with two different snack options, either a slice of chocolate cake or a bowl of fruit salad. Now the students with the seven digit number to remember were nearly twice as likely to choose the cake as the students given only a two digit number to remember. And the reason, according to Professor Sheeve, is that those extra numbers took up valuable space in the brain these test subjects were considered to be at cognitive load, making it that much harder to resist a decadent dessert. So this actually provides some pretty big insights into how we make decisions, and it has huge implications on how we can approach making any changes in our life that we want to make. First and foremost, obviously, we need to be aware of our cognitive load. Now that you understand the effects of cognitive load and just how much it can render you ineffective when it comes to making decisions, even if they're around a goal that you set that you really intended to focus on. So if you've had a particularly stressful day or week, it's not the time to focus on changing behavior. It's time to focus on working on what is causing the cognitive load. For example, let's say you just had a leak in your house and you have to find a plumber and contact your homeowner's insurance and navigate this whole process. Who do they cover? What are they going to cover? Waiting for them to call you back. Calling them back, usually, at least in my case. This is a real cognitive load, taking care of what's going on in our house because we can't use the dishwasher or something like that. And we're dealing with a mess and something we have to clean up. So it's time to focus on what it's going to take to relieve the cognitive load and then focus on working on new habits in the way that you approach your morning routine or bedtime. But During a time when you have a relatively light cognitive load so that you have the reserves of your brain energy to a much more full capacity. So here's another example. In December, I found out I was severely anemic. Now that's not necessarily a cognitive load, but it is definitely limiting the amount of energy I had. So that was not the time to try to implement the change for myself as much as I wanted to. And this is hard when we have something that is taking our energy, either if we have a health condition or if other things taking our energy and we kind of need to get our ducks in a row first. For me, being patient with my own process is very difficult. But if we are to have the best odds of creating true lasting change in our behavior, whether it's fitness related, health related, our relationships, including parenting or anywhere else in our life, we must set ourselves up for the best chance of success changing our behaviors takes intention, which means focused thought, which means a lot more energy than we may think that it should. We think, or at least I always have, that change should be pretty simple. You decide to change, you do things differently, and you just do it. But then you struggle. You slip back once, and then twice, and then we get upset with ourselves for not being able to just make this one change, but it's not easy. Old habits die hard. So here are some ideas on how to get yourself in the mindset you need to create new habits, set yourself up for success, including parenting. And I'm going to give examples of some very common changes parents are committed to and some steps for achieving those as well that are much more likely to be successful. So number one, Like I said, take care of the things that are robbing your brain's energy. The emergencies, the health scare, the in-law visits, the holidays, the vacation you're about to take. If you have something pulling your attention like these, get through those first. Then focus on the change that you want to work on. Two, don't bite off more than you can chew. In other words, don't try to work on fixing your behaviors and actions at bedtime and dealing with picky eating and the back talk and getting organized all at once. It'll be way too much to focus on. It'll rob your brain energy, try to pull it in too many directions, and it will lead to a lot of frustration. Choose the area that either will yield the biggest return or you think will be the easiest to knock off your list. Because once that one area is in a better trajectory, it frees up energy to work on something else. Now, what I tend to recommend to parents is if bedtime is a struggle that's a really great place to start because this yields huge results it yields usually for some parents an hour or two at night at bedtime in the evenings frees you up a lot it takes some intentional focus it takes a little bit of time but once it's done it's a whole lot easier and smoother going forward and frees up so much time especially at the end of the day when we're already tired it really makes that time so much more enjoyable so this is one of the struggles it takes generally three days to really see improvements, but it will take up to six weeks, depending on the age of the method you choose to fully create change. Three days to two weeks, you will see drastic change, regardless of the method that you choose to implement at bedtime. But it gets vastly better after these two weeks, regardless. Now, you want to get through the bedtime changes where things are going really smoothly, then move on to the next area. So in my life, the areas i've been working on my fitness and my health i went in trying to change too many things at once it was just too hard i realized i needed to make a few small changes get used to those and then add the next change because these will snowball over time these are things i felt like i could manage and change long term a little bit at a time three when you figure out where you're still struggling and you will struggle so You want to expect that you'll struggle and know it's part of the process rather than seeing it as a personal failure. I don't know how to do this. I can't make this work. Or you think you aren't something enough. You aren't smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not patient enough. You know, you get those words in your head that you aren't enough to implement the change. You are enough. You have the power. You just have to figure out the best first steps for you and then start working on those. We're all unique. We're people, we're not robots. And so we aren't all going to be successful at implementing change in the same way. We need to find out what works for us. What's the change I can make right now or a couple small changes I can make right now and get those down and then move on to the next one. It's going to be some trial and error. Totally, totally normal. I spent two months, literally two months trying to figure out the next step for me to reach my health goals with no visible progress. It was the most frustrating experience. I had some great progress right at the front and then I just plateaued there and I wasn't getting any better with my horseback riding, with my running and with my nutrition. But I didn't give up because then my only option was to live with things the way that they were. And I was just not willing to do that. So all this means is it's time to troubleshoot. What am I struggling with? Where do I keep going off the rails? Which step am I really struggling to implement? Or If you think you're doing everything right, but nothing seems to be changing, what am I missing? Because if we're not getting where we want to go, we are missing something guaranteed. If you take a look at the world, there is always someone who has implemented any change we want to make, you know, whether it's eliciting change in our children's behavior and having more connected relationships, whether it's health or fitness goals, whether it's career goals, lots and lots and lots of people have done it. It is very possible. It's just there's something missing. You got to figure out what that is. So once I started digging in and figuring out what am I missing here? Why is my running times plateauing? Why do I feel like I've taken two steps back on my horseback riding? I dug in and did some research and figured it out. Once I was able to make a simple couple of switches, then I started to see the results that I wanted to see. So now I'm going to get to... Some small, simple changes you can make in parenting that actually yield some really big results in children's behavior. Right after a word from our sponsors. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Okay, now that we're back, here are some examples in shifts in parenting that can reap really big rewards. If you've been listening to me for a while, you've likely heard the story about my oldest when he was about two and a half and how we were really struggling with timeouts. But for those who haven't, or if you need a refresher, can be helpful. My son was two and a half and I was using timeouts as the method for helping with fixing behaviors. I had been, you know, in the super nanny era and we had watched that show. And so timeouts were supposed to be the answer, but they were not working for me. I remember one particular day we had a a really big struggle. He wouldn't go to timeout. I had to chase him around, get him into timeout. And I had to hold him there. And he felt like it was a game he thought it was hilarious i was frustrated i had so much to do i had twin infants in the house and i was sitting there thinking he's not learning anything from this i'm not getting anything done like this is not working for us and of course super nanny never showed you that <laughs> what to do then but i realized i needed to find a better way there was definitely something missing because I knew it was possible to elicit better behavior. I knew it was possible to create a mutual respect between myself and my child, even at two and a half. And so I went out to learn how to do that and started researching and found positive discipline and started implementing some of these tools. And they did yield really big results. They start out small at first, but they start to snowball quickly and you start to see really positive results really quickly. So I started using positive reinforcement, letting him know when he exhibited behavior that I liked to see that was helpful. I started giving him tasks where he could contribute and feel helpful, which gave him a place to focus his energy, which greatly reduced his need to exhibit negative behaviors for attention and out of boredom. And then when he did do behaviors that weren't so helpful, I used coaching to help him learn better behaviors. So I'm going to break these down into small shifts. And then there's also a couple other tips that I'm going to give. If you are seeing negative behaviors, like not listening, like back talk, like attention seeking or power seeking behaviors. So the first tool I highly recommend starting with is 123 Magic. And I do have this on my YouTube channel for free. It's about a 20 minute class. You can search Your Village on YouTube and you'll see it's the top one or two results. Click on that and you'll see the free class. I think it might even be pinned to the top of the videos. After that one, getting that one down, I recommend Positive Reinforcement. This is describing the behavior you like to see. Now, what I love about this is that it's great for any age. And I mean any age, even adult relationships. It lets our kids, our partner, our friends, our coworkers know what we appreciate about their behavior or when they do things we like. For kids, we describe the behavior and then we label it. It lets them know the behavior we like to see. It focuses on the positive behavior and it works infinitely better than when we focus on negative behavior. When we focus on their negative behavior, it actually tends to bring more negative behavior because that's what we're focusing on. So it helps us kind of shift our paradigm into focusing on positive behavior. And it sounds like this. Thank you so much for emptying the dishwasher the first time I asked. That was really helpful. Thank you for cleaning up your toys all by yourself. That was independent. You put your face in the water even though you were scared. That was brave. When we use positive reinforcement, they begin to see themselves as helpful, as independent, a good problem solver, responsible, kind, brave, perseverant, whatever descriptor you want to use, whatever values you want your children to start to embody. And they will start to embody these traits and they will do more behaviors that actually exhibit these traits because they see themselves as that. So I recommend just starting with this or maybe this and one other new skill because it gives you a smaller place to focus. Otherwise, if you're trying to bring in too many new skills, it gets overwhelming. What do I use right now in this instance? I don't know. There's like five or 10 things to choose from. If you only have one or two new skills, you're going to choose one of those. You're going to get them down really, really well before you add in another couple skills. And then over time, as you get better, I suggest doing one to two new skills every two weeks. So you get three weeks down the road and you've got six new skills under your belt that you can use in these situations. So another tool I like, and this also works with kids of all ages, and I still use it with my tweens and my teen, and that is a warning before transitions. For younger kids, we usually give two warnings or you can use it with a choice. So here's some examples. We will leave the park in five minutes. Then three minutes later, we're leaving the park in two minutes. But then you really have to be ready to leave the park in two minutes. So you start picking up the toys, you're packing up the bag, you're walking over with the shoes. You wanna give these hints that you're getting ready to go because if you say you're leaving in two minutes and you continue to chat with someone and then you're there chatting for 10 more minutes, they just learned that two minutes means 10 minutes. And then it's much more likely they're going to learn to push back. So give the warning when you're ready to go. So whether it's leaving in the morning, leaving a friend's house, leaving the park, sitting down to dinner, when you give the warning, you want to make sure you're actually about in that exact time frame or very close to that time frame. So with my older kids, I just let them know Bedtime is in 10 minutes, so start wrapping up whatever it is that you're doing. And since they're well-versed in this process, since they were little, they do wrap up what they're doing. They'll say goodbye to their friends. That would usually be my daughter, or she wraps up the art project that she's working on. My sons might be watching a movie or listening to some music. They'll stop what they're doing within the allotted time, within the 10 minutes, and they get ready for bed. So this is a great, simple tool that can make a huge difference different so we're not surprising them with it's time to go to bed it's time to clean up your toys it's time to leave the park it's really disruptive you know even as adults like we wouldn't really want to be treated that way we wouldn't want to be told like okay we're leaving for the store like we need to know like hey when are we leaving 15 minutes great i'll get myself cognitively right ready shutting down what i'm doing so that i can transition to the next thing oh and you can also use it as a choice so this would sound something like Do you want to leave the park in five minutes or 10 minutes? Now, of course, they're pretty much always going to choose 10 minutes, but it gives them a feeling of control. Hey, I got to pick when I'm leaving the park. So then they are much more likely to go along with it when it is time to leave whatever it is the park, the friend's house. Another tool I really like contribution. It's definitely something you can use all the way through, but when kids are especially little, It's used not just to teach them new skills, but to give them a positive place to focus their energy, which leaves less chance that they're going to use their energy in a negative way. They're getting attention. They're learning something new. It's novel. And they're helping, which they love to do. Kids really do love to be helpful. So having them help with any household tasks that they're capable of, setting the table, bringing something over to you, carrying something into another room and putting it away, having them pick out produce at the grocery store. Asking them questions about which apples should we get or which fruit bar should we get today? Um, Should we get the red apples or the green apples or how many apples should we get? Or we need three apples. Help me pick out the best ones. Which fruit bar should we get, the blueberry or the apple bars today? Now, my kids help decide which fruit they want for the week. So they just go and pick out some fruits and they bring it to the basket. They will just go and pick out whatever fruit bars they want this week. The muffins, the cream cheese, the bagels. They know what our staples are. And so they just love to go and help shop and pick things out. They love shopping with me still. My oldest and my daughter especially love to come along and pick out what kind of foods we're going to have for dinner this week. And it gives them that practice too. I mean, my kids are tweens and teens now. They're going to have to do this when they're out on their own. So they're getting great practice at choosing foods. And, you know, of course, they try to pick out the junk food. My oldest son loves to do that, picks out the big chocolate bar and I'm like, Nope, we're not getting that. And he's silly about it. He's funny. We just have this kind of fun exchange about it. We're not getting that. Put it back. And so he tries to make up something funny about it. Like, no, it's a protein bar. I'm like, yeah, put it back. So another tip when it comes to contribution, especially early on, or when they're first learning a new skill, is we want to take the help how it comes. And we want to refrain from correcting on how they did it. So, of course, you can give a lesson on how to do something And then you just want to let them do it. So if you teach them how to set the table, but they still put the forks in a position that you might not put them, or they load the dishwasher and the bowls are kind of stacked and they might not get as clean as you want, refrain from correcting. You can always move them, not when they're watching. You can change the bowls to another position, maybe after they go to bed so that they're not feeling like, oh, I just did it and I didn't do it right. So we want to refrain from correcting or letting them see that we're correcting what they just did so that they can feel good about what they did. And the next time, then we can coach and teach and guide how to do it a little bit better without criticizing because otherwise we risk squashing their desire to learn new tasks or to want to help in the future. And then the last tip I want to mention is one of the most difficult times to try to change behavior is later in the day. If you need to work on bedtimes, the only time you're going to be able to work on it is obviously at the end of the day. But if you're talking about working on back talk or pushback or other types of things your main focus on that should be earlier in the day so you know working on changes in behavior if you're trying to get your kids to clean up their toys and it's bedtime and you know you're going to get a lot of pushback work on the cleanup earlier in the day work on cleaning up the room earlier in the day work on contribution earlier in the day and, and creating those new behaviors earlier in the day bedtime is hard Those 35,000 decisions throughout the day are starting to get tough, and it's that time of day when we're much more likely to end up reacting rather than being really good at teaching and guiding. So try to work on new behaviors, switching behaviors, changing behaviors earlier in the day. Now, when it comes to bedtimes, what I like to recommend to parents is to create a buffer around this time. When especially if you've got an infant that you're working with or you have a toddler who's never really been good at staying in bed, I recommend to parents that they kind of clear their schedule for at least three days, a holiday weekend, take a vacation day, set up babysitting with another child outside the home, something like that where you just don't have to deal with the cognitive load outside of just working on bedtimes and middle of the nights. if this is something that you're really struggling with. If you can give yourself a good three to five days to really focus on this, if you have a relative who can come and take your toddler during the day and you don't have to go to work and then you're just tired during the day, it's okay because you're eliminating your cognitive load where you're really just focusing on fixing bedtimes and making those go smoother. And then you're gonna have much more patience in the evening when it's time to work on the bedtimes and making those go smoother. You're just gonna really... Eliminate that cognitive load as much as you can outside of it. Focus on it. You give it a good three to five days. You're going to make a ton of progress. It's going to go a lot, lot smoother. You're going to be in a much better place, even if it's not perfect. When you do then need to go back to work, bedtimes are already smoother and you've made a lot of progress. If you're interested in the courses on positive discipline, any areas of child development, including bedtimes, nap times, middle of the night, picky eating, self-esteem, education, like finding a preschool, early math and science, reading and writing, supporting your child's learning styles and multiple intelligence, or modern parenting, like family organization, teaching a growth mindset. There are over 60 classes on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.